the path was pale dirt and filled with sand spurs and was cold and wet after the rain. The great drops from the tree branches left a pine taste in me. The forest was not dark because darkness has nothing to do with the forest. The forest is made of life, of light. But the trees moved with wind and subtle creatures. I wasn't in any single place. I was with the raccoons of the rooftops that were now down fiddling with the bicycle lock on the garbage can at the end of the road, with the red-winged hawk chicks breathing alone in the nest, with the armadillo forcing its armored body through the brush. I hadn't realized that I'd lost my sense of smell until it returned hungrily now. I could smell the worms tracing their paths under pine needles and the mold breathing out new spores, shaken alive by rain. Welcome to Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian Podcast. I'm Nick D'Alessandro. This is the first in my series of stories related to the supernatural and unexplainable in the Sunshine State. What you just heard was a quote from a book titled Florida by Lauren Groth. It came out this year. It's a series of short stories and essays about the Florida wilderness and the way it manifests in each of us. This week, I went searching for a piece of Florida lore that has fascinated me for years now. The Skunk Ape. Primarily located in wetland areas, the skunk ape is said to be a species of large, bipedal, humanoid creatures related to the Sasquatch that live in the muck and mud, resulting in a supposedly disgusting-smelling creature. This piece of folklore came to popularity during the late 60s, as Bigfoot himself entered pop culture because of the Patterson-Gimlin film. That famous footage of a large, hairy creature walking through the woods was captured in late October in 1967 and launched the fervor of America's favorite urban legend. Skunk Ape, however, was first reported by hunters in Florida in 1957. Since then, there have been loads of video and photo evidence to support his existence and loads of stories of our fuzzy friend. The most famous image of Skunk Ape comes from Sarasota in the year 2001. They come from an anonymous woman who sent in photos she took of a creature that she reported to be six or seven feet tall. The figure in the photo has an uncanny resemblance to an orangutan with darker fur. The creature is, of course, partially obscured by palm trees. They still remain as the clearest photographic evidence of Skunk Ape to this day. There is a video from early 2015 of an area called Lettuce Lake Park, which is near Tampa. It is from a witness who is paddling in the area in a canoe and stumbled across a hairy figure in the woods. The creature is, as you would expect, skewed by trees. However, it's clearly a bipedal creature mean moving on its two feet, covered in fur, moving like a primate, climbing into the water, and then disappearing into the distance. I cannot recommend checking out this video enough, it is really something else. Skunk Ape remains as the most popular cryptozoological creature in our state. If one is interested in Skunk Ape, there are several places you can wind up. You can, of course, check out the parks around Sarasota where the famous photo was taken. You can head out to Lettuce Lake Park where the clearest video was taken. Or you could head out to what many consider the Skunk Ape's natural habitat, the Florida Everglades. This information comes on behalf of David Sheely, owner of the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters, located along Tamiami Trail a couple miles into the Everglades National Park. Dave Sheely's family has lived on that land for over 130 years, and he has seen and captured evidence of skunk ape several times. His website reports that he has, quote, three confirmed sightings of the skunk ape, unquote. And his website adds that he estimates the presence of seven to nine skunk apes living within the Everglades. 
In an interview with Smithsonian Magazine, Shealy shares that although he has been seeing the ape since he was 10, the indigenous Seminole and Miccosukee tribes have been telling stories of skunk ape for centuries. Shealy's website, skunkape.biz, is filled with even more information about Shealy and his research about the ape himself. But the most information in one space you can find about the skunk ape is in the Everglades Skunk Ape Research Field Guide, which can be purchased at the headquarters. So naturally, that's where I went. I left for South Florida this past Tuesday before dawn, and I took back road south until I arrived at Tamiami Trail a little after 10. An abandoned looking information center sat at the intersection of County Road 29 and Tamiami Trail, so I didn't waste a stop. A 10 minute drive along wetlands and swamps lead you to the vast parking lot out front of the Skunk Ape HQ. After four years of dreaming, I was finally there. There was the big statue of the Florida Panther, and there was the big grinning Bigfoot, and there was the sign that read, Beware of the Skunk Ape. Feeling like I had reached the promised land, I stepped inside. The building itself was relatively small with a green roof and a wildlife mural around the front door. Inside sat mountains of merchandise, from t-shirts to magnets to stickers, shot glasses, baseball caps, postcards, pens, lanyards, everything you can imagine, all covered in a cartoonish rendition of Skunk Ape's roaring face. So naturally, I spent about $30 on merchandise. I mean, how could I resist? Out back of the main shop was a zoo of sorts, containing a free-roaming cat that stayed by my side the whole time. There were also snakes and turtles in elaborate glass cases. Birds and parrots sat in large cages next to a metal sign that simply said, in all caps, the birds. A tortoise roamed this grassy area as well, looking at me briefly, only to return to his slow trek across the backyard. The most notable creature in the zoo was the 23-foot-long python, which was advertised as the second largest of its species in captivity. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a 23-foot-long python in person, but I'll tell you this. Fight or flight is real, and I fled. The friendly zoo cat followed. The whole space was very old Florida with taxidermy animals on the walls and wood creaking beneath your feet. A glass case of hunting knives hung next to the bathroom door and Native American art sat in baskets along the cashier counter. Other tourists passed in and out smiling at the photographic evidence of skunk ape on the walls and the cast of the cryptid's footprint in a glass case. The space felt friendly yet mysterious like a million people have come here searching for the same exact thing. They all left with no evidence, but still had a blast. The cashier was a young woman who told me that she had been visiting this store since she was a child. She shared that people who come into the store are always exciting and that people occasionally come in to share their own research. In fact, while I was there, a gentleman wearing an alien t-shirt gave her a copy of his book on aliens, humanoids, and Bigfoot. She accepted with a smile and told him he could take as many pictures as he wanted. I asked her, of course, if she believed. She laughed and she said she wasn't sure. Her boss obviously believes, and people call in and visit with stories constantly, but she hasn't seen the skunk ape, so it's hard to say a definitive yes. We chatted for a bit about Florida and our unique style and stories. Then, with my research field guide in hand, I hit the road. The Everglades Skunk Ape Research Field Guide is 20 pages made of construction paper and bright yellow, with a simple artist rendition of the Sasquatch on the cover. Inside, there are more drawings of the creature, as well as a couple pages detailing the behavior of the skunk ape. There are tips inside on where to search, what to bring, and how to tell if your subject is nearby. 
Evidence of skunk ape includes leafy beds that he sleeps on, the scent of rotten eggs from his fur, and footprints by the water. Driving east, you start to hit areas of those iconic wetland vistas. Huge open plains with palm trees scattered across, small rivers running along the road, big cypress and mangrove trees. I drove along this road all the way to Miami, and then back to Naples. I passed by several indigenous villages that were only accessible by a single bridge that was blocked by a wall with a locked door on it. Over the top of the wall, you could see the top of chickies, which are traditional Seminole tribe structures. The dried tan palmetto leaves stuck out against the green backdrop. A small ghost town sat along the road, and somewhat destroyed homes were peppered throughout, like warnings. You gotta be tough to live out here. The Miccosukee have a reservation out here as well, and the tribal town was the largest collection of buildings you could see for miles. Every few minutes, a different airboat tour sat along the swamps, offering cheap eco-tours into the national park. On the west side, closer to the gulf, sat Everglades City, a small town that, despite its name and connection to the popular natural attraction, is effectively a ghost town. I drove around for about 20 minutes and saw maybe half a dozen people in maybe four cars. Even in the off-season, this is a troubling sight. Driving south through Everglades City, you wind up on an island called Chokoloski. With around 400 people living on the island, it feels like a couple hundred people came down here in the mid-20th century and then just never left. This area of Florida is surreal. Despite being home to a national park, a national preserve, a state park, a state forest, and several other reservations, the populated area between Miami and Naples still feel the way that Florida must have felt a century or even a millennia ago. There's an uncertainty in the air, a constant sense that you are trespassing, that maybe you should go. It doesn't feel threatening or dangerous, but it feels like the wilderness. Even stepping from my car to take a picture on a campground road, I felt the need to grab my things and head out. It makes sense, upon visiting, where the myth of skunk ape could come from. The woods out here feel alive, like one singular conscious being that you are intruding upon. Imagine living down here before roads carved a line through the woods. Imagine the frogs, the crickets, and the heat surrounding you. Imagine now that you see a black bear, or a deer, or an alligator, and then they disappear out of sight. What could you imagine that thing is? You have no idea what it is. What is that? Imagine visiting here in the mid-20th century as a tourist as stories pour in of a large, hairy creature hiding in the Pacific Northwest. Sure, the forests up there are dense and mysterious. There are things down here, though, that could easily be hidden from view. You could see how someone could instantly believe in the story of Skunk Ape. Because, you're right, there is a creature hidden in this wilderness, and it's scarce and intimidating and hidden from view. But there's also no doubt that it is very, very real. I didn't mention my favorite detail of driving along the roads. Most of them are near various protected areas that had wildlife crossing signs that read Panther Crossing. For miles and miles, signs warned to look out for the elusive Florida panther. Statues and drawings and paintings of this creature peppered every tourist attraction, and a taxidermy panther sat in the lobby of the Oasis Visitor Center of the Big Cypress National Preserve. The panther was killed by a car in May of 1996, and was memorialized inside of this location. This is incredibly common for the Florida panther. There have been 21 recorded panther deaths in 2018 alone, and 19 of those deaths were caused by being struck by a vehicle. The panthers are critically endangered, and the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission reports a population between 120 and 230. 
19 deaths this year alone would be a blip on the radar of a populous species, but that number for an animal like the Florida panther makes up an estimated 10% of their entire population. The national parks and preserves track and protect the panthers as best they can, watching some with collars and tagging the babies when born. The Florida Panther Wildlife Refuge borders the Big Cypress National Preserve, and officials suggest driving with extreme caution in the entire area. Like the mythological skunk ape, the Florida Panther is incredibly difficult to see. They are rarely reported by people in the area, and due to their incredible senses, often escape sight when they detect an intruder nearby. They leave tracks in the dirt and even scratch into the soil and leaf beds as signals for other panthers. Besides these small signs, any indication of the presence of the Florida Panther is limited. All we know is, they're out there. Driving along Tamiami Trail, time seems to stretch on a lot longer than you're expecting. The woods all look the same. The water nearby glistens in the sunlight. The wild is still wild out here despite Western civilization's attempts to totally drain it. The wild still really intimidates and reminds you how small you really are. In everything we fully understand about the natural world, the swamp still feels uncharted and unknown. I have a map in front of me as I record this, charting the islands and bays in the entire area. You can feel the living beings out there like the quote from the beginning of the episode. Those raccoons and hawks and armadillos, they're the charted parts of the map. This space is whittled to precise detail. But then there's those great green middle spaces, those miles and miles of blank space between the trails and the roads. You can feel the creatures out there too, in those unwelcoming woods. When you're out there by yourself and those trees look less and less familiar, that great unknown can take any shape your wandering mind can imagine. For some, it may be the famous cryptid, traversing his territory and evading the lenses of tourist cameras. For others, it is the endangered big cat, slinking out of sight and leaving only footsteps in its wake. Either way, it's best to head home before the mind wonders what else waits out there, just beyond the tree line, waiting to step into view. Thank you so much for listening to Wait 5 Minutes. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a comment, or sharing with a friend. It would mean a lot. I used a lot of different songs in this episode. You can see all their titles in the episode description below. Any research that I did that wasn't my own can be found in the links below. If you have any questions for me or a suggestion for an episode, you can reach me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. That's wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful October. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And please, drink more water. Good night. <laughs>